The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's been an unusual day for us. We're traveling on the road again. And and like during our summer trips, we just arrived at the campground 10 minutes ago. So I'm (laughs) catching my breath while Ty sets up the RV. But I have been preparing all day for this show, uh, looking at the notes all week, but really, really just making sure that we get the most out of this hour. I could talk to my guest, Kelly Buckley, for hours on end. There's so many beautiful points I know she has to share with all of you about gratitude and resilience in the face of grief. Kelly is a shining light parent. That's our term for that replaces the term bereaved parent. She surely knows that her son, Stephen, is still the shining light in her life. She's the author of of two books already. And the one we're going to be focusing on today is just one little thing. And I look forward to Kelly sharing with you what that's all about. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Well, I I was so excited when I found out that you're from Newfoundland, or as they say up there, Newfoundland. So right right (laughs) away, you know, I know a little more than most people about Newfoundland. (laughs) I'm impressed. (laughs) Yeah, Ty and I sailed there on our very first year as full-time cruisers on our sailboat. And to this day, having sailed across the Atlantic and around the Mediterranean, Newfoundland was our one of our favorite ports because it was, number one, so beautiful, and number two, the people so friendly. So I just... I love that, but you say that Newfoundlanders are resilient, and we'll talk more about that. But, uh, well, we'll yeah, we'll get to that later. I'd like to you to just tell us about the biggest test of your resilience, because that's the basis of the show today. Um, well, 
I, I'll begin by starting at the beginning of Stephen's life. Um, I actually um, had a twin pregnancy, um, identical twins, uh, Stephen and his brother Matthew, and, and um, Matthew died at birth, and then uh, Stephen died 23 years later on the 4th of July, uh, 2009. Um on that day, we were actually visiting my husband Brady's parents, and uh, he was with his friends. Um, he, they were swimming and having fun, and and we got a call. Uh, I think it was probably six thirty in the evening to say that he had gone missing at Jordan Lake. And I know that you know when you get that message. Um, and you try to comprehend the reality of what's happening. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And um, everything changed in in our lives at that moment. Um, they, you know, I remember the um, the police officer, the the who was at the park ranger, said, "You know, you need to prepare yourself. We are searching for him, but you need to prepare yourself." And there's just no preparing for that. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. So we um, we we left. Uh, we were in Kentucky, and we left, and we drove through the night to Jordan Lake, North Carolina, and got there just uh, at the break of dawn. And uh, they resumed the search in the morning, and then um, found Stephen. And that's you know that is kind of the, you know, that moment where everything was, was changed going forward. And yet, Um, and yet reading your book, my jaw dropped when I read the, the sign from the universe that, that let you know, even on that horrific drive all night long, that something greater was going on. Would you share about the card that was traveling at night with you? So, um, and it's funny because sometimes I reread that because it seems unbelievable to me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when we when we left that night um, and we were driving, uh, you know, we could see the fireworks off off of the interstate in the communities as we drove past. And um, Stephen had borrowed my car, and so he had his fav- one of his favorite CDs. And my husband and I chat a lot about everything. We and so we were talking, and I I didn't hadn't turned on the radio when we were driving up because we were chatting. And I turned on the radio just for distraction, and his favorite music started to play. And it was like oh, he boy. was in the car with us. And as we continued to drive, um, there was a car on the road with us um and the license plate it was a one of those vanity plates and it was one lifetime um and the significance of that was uh Stephen's first week at college um he actually got a tattoo that said one lifetime now oh. as his mother i wasn't thrilled <laughs> i was not thrilled <laughs> when he first when he got that tattoo um and he could see it on my face <laughs> but now that i think back on that um 
one lifetime was was truly how he lived each and every day, and it was really fitting for him. But all of those little things together, throughout that that drive, he was. I just felt that he was right in the car with us. And, I mean, what? Um, I mean that. It, you know, when you travel long distances like we just did today, and you're but you're in the middle of the night, not too many cars on the highway, and you just kept passing each other, and over and over, you're looking at this license plate that has the exact same words as the tattoo on your, that your son has. As yeah. you're traveling and not knowing what's going on, you just know that he he's gone missing in this lake. It's just incredible. Yeah. And then the other and, thing that know, got me was when you got to the lake. They hadn't found him. They'd called off the search because it was dark. They're going to resume in the morning. And tell us about looking out at the water. So I immediately wanted to go to the cove um, where we knew they were. And Stephen had such a great group of friends. Um, So we went there and um, my husband went to speak with the, the search crews. And I was with my um, wonder dog, Rudy. And I know that you had a wonder dog, Rudy as well. (laughs) And, uh, I, uh, Rudy and I were sitting on a bump in the sand and, um, we were just looking out over the water and the water was, it was like a mirror. It was, you know, and I was negotiating with God and, um, asking him to take me and have them find Steven somewhere on the shore, you know, injured and beat up, but alive. And there was a little spot out on the water, and I just, I just, I just knew that's where, um, I just knew that's where he was. I and and what's really strange is Rudy knew as well. Rudy was, it, I, I, it's hard for me to put into words what that morning was like. I, um, but, but I just that knew. is where they found I, him in that spot that you were drawn to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you said, the mother knows is that that connection that can't be broken. If, if, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but just to show this big web, I read that part of your book last week, got started, and something, the voice in me said, go read this other novel, take a break, this is heavy stuff. And so yeah. I picked up a novel just to start it, one that I'd had on my shelf for years, and it just jumped out at me. And Kelly, do you know that it started with this little girl who was a twin, and at childbirth, her twin died. And in the next scene, she's sitting at the dinner table, and an ambulance goes by, and she just knows that a young boy in the neighborhood has drowned in the lake. Boom, boom. The two things that I've just read about in your book, then I get back to your book, and you're talking about Rudy the Wonder Dog, and I just thought, look at the timing of this show. It's it's phenomenal. It's because your message is so important. Uh, I don't know if you know that our Rudy just passed uh, 10 days ago. Yeah, so So the timing, you know, just when I'm, you know, going through just this this little bit of grief compared to what you went through with your son, uh, you, you did such a beautiful job in your book of sharing what it's like, the, the numbness and all of that. But but go back now, if you would, and tell us about resilience and how you grew up with that, how that instilled, growing up in Newfoundland instilled that in you. And what is resilience to you? Well, 
I mean, I grew up on an island in the North Atlantic. Uh, the the weather um, is is not uh, lovely all the time. Um, <laughs> the winters are the winters are harsh. Um, you know, it, when I was growing up, uh, that was you know it wasn't a, a, a really wealthy province in Canada. We always had exactly what we needed, and there was always enough love to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always watched my parents um, and my family and my friends and just people in general just make the best of situations. You know, they they found a way to be happy, whether it be through music or um, or jokes or you know, it, Newfoundlanders have a have a very unique. Um, way of looking at life. I mean, you just reminded me that was the one we, we, to this day, Ty and I joke, we say this phrase that we learned there. It rained so much when we were there and it was just this gray (laughs) drizzle all the time. And you would pass people in Newfoundland in these outports where there were no roads to them at all. And they'd look at you and they would greet you this way. Beautiful day. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true you'll, because you'll if you recognize had to wait that. for the sunshine, you'd never say it. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. So, yeah, so now you're yeah. going through so, the worst. I'm sorry. So, so truly, growing up there and and seeing um, my family, my friends, um, that I I call that the roots of my resilience. That's where I think I really. Uh, you know, received my lessons in how to approach life and how to look at hardship. So did you recognize that immediately after Stephen passed or how did this urge to help others as a result of his passing come about? I mean, to be honest, I I didn't know what I was doing. I don't, (laughs) I don't think I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was relying on, I call it God's whisper in my ear. And I, because I didn't, I, I've always been a person and I know, you know, you have a, a background in the military and I have a background in healthcare. So I um, was a nurse and then I was in healthcare management for a, a lot of years. So I was always um, a person who was very solution-focused, very evidence-based data was a big part of my existence. And so I always had a plan A, B, C, D. I always was kind of, I had it figured out. And if something went wrong, then I was the person who would figure out another way around. And that was honestly, and I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life, that was the first time that I can honestly say, I had nothing. I, I remember sitting there on the sand and I had nothing. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And so well, there was no, there was no plan and there was no wisdom. Um, I can't take credit for that. I just said, look, God, if when I realized negotiations were not going well, um, I said, you're going to have to help me here because I don't know what to do. And immediately, 
um, I knew that I had to start looking for gratitude. And it was something that just popped in my head immediately. I can't explain why. Um, so thankful I listened because it saved me. I'm not sure where I would be if I didn't listen. But that's how it well, evolved. It just, I, I decided to listen. Well, I want to just tell everybody that the little secret I've been keeping here is that Kelly is more than just an author and more than just a resilient person. That question, that request she put out there to God that day with no plan whatsoever resulted in her books and the one called Just One Little Thing. She started a movement of gratitude. Your Facebook page, Just One Little Thing, has over 130,000 followers. So it does. That's what we call ripples, the ripple effect. (laughs) (laughs) So take us from no plan, hopeless, what do I do, God, to a movement. So from from me listening to that whisper, uh, I first started to write about gratitude in the parking lot of the funeral home. Um, on the back of a cable bill that I had in my purse. And um, I know people will think that I'm crazy. How can you find gratitude on the day that they find your son uh, in in a lake? But um, it was remarkable what I found. I was thankful for the divers who have the most difficult, difficult job. And they allowed me to bring my son home. And not everybody gets to do that. Uh, I was thankful for one of my son's best friends. Um, His mom was there with us at the lake and brought water and chairs. And I mean, just beautiful people surrounded us. And she hugged me and she hugged just like my mother. You know, one of those hugs where you feel like, you know, maybe you're, you're, innards are going to be squeezed out because they <laughs> my mother was that kind of hugger she just really let you know she loved you and uh and this woman gave me this hug and it was like a hug from heaven and just when I needed it I needed my mom and uh and so it started there so I started writing and for and I just continued it and and for first starting out it was just I don't know, I guess I didn't know what else to do, so I just kept writing, and then it became sort of a, I had to do it. Uh, And then it evolved, and then I said, I need to share this with people. I need to share what I'm doing. And so, and again, it was not a well-thought-out plan. I... I just kind of went with the flow of it. I, wherever I, as, as it meandered and changed and evolved, I changed with it. And, um, that was, that was a beautiful experience. And sometimes, um, I feel challenged now, um, having, being further away from that, that rawness of grief that you kind of tend to want to have more control over your life. You know, that personhood, Mm -hmm. that ego based control. Whereas back then I didn't. And, um, and so I just followed it. So I, I started to write and I, I put out gratitude and grief, the first book. And then I decided that I was going to start this Facebook group. So, um, 
I like to do something positive on the 4th of July to remember Stephen. So it was launched on the 4th of July, I think 2011. And um, initially it was just me. And I told my husband to get a Facebook account because I couldn't be there by myself. Then I called my sisters and I was like, don't let me be in here alone. <laughs> Come join and um, our friends and family. And people just started to, to show up. And uh, some of the stories that people share, not just with me, but with each other, uh, that's what I find beautiful about it, is when I step away and people connect with each other. That's, that's the beauty yeah. of Jolt. Um, Jolt being you know, just we, one little thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and you um, call them Jolters. I, I do. I call them my Jolt family. <laughs> so, uh, I you know, and I consider them to be family. I do. Well, I have a Facebook page, a separate one, with where people put a, what they're grateful for this day. But yours is so much different than that, and it's like your book, just one little thing. You're, not, it's not Pollyanna. It's not oh, just be grateful for one thing, and you're going to have this beautiful day. Describe the the underlying feeling that what you feel draws people to this? Um, I think, I think there's a lot of talk out there about how you can have a happy life in 10 easy steps or, um, you know, there's a lot of instant gratification in this world, right? Or we, we'd like to think there is. Um, And basically what I've been quite upfront about is that, uh, I don't, you can't fix your life all at once. And if you lose somebody, you lose a child, you lose a husband, you know, you, you lose someone that you love dearly. You lose a dog that was like family. It's, it's, it's not going, you're not going to heal that, that wound overnight. And so I'm not asking you to, I'm just asking you to find one little thing today. And so on, on the good days, it can be, you know, you laughed with your friends or you had a good outing or you went on a nice hike. But on the bad days, I, as I explained to a, a lot of jolters, I'm not afraid to say that I was thankful today that my broken heart continued to beat. And that was yeah. the only thing I could find today. Or, or the and one okay. that jumped out at me, you were thankful that you had sunglasses because they hid your red tear-filled eyes, you know, and it's, it's a little bittersweet, oh, yeah. but you were still, you, you stuck to it. And yeah. It, it provided little miracles. Huh. Well, it allowed me to tether myself to the present moment, right? So mm-hmm. by looking for one little thing, it allowed me for an, for one minute to be right here, right now. And right here, right now, I was okay. So I wasn't uh, lamenting about the past or unfinished business or things that I wish I had said to Stephen, or I wasn't lamenting about the future of holidays that he wouldn't be here with us. I was right here, right now. And just for that moment, I was okay. And we, we did this as a family. Um, because we were, we were all trying to figure it out. And, and I think that anybody who says, you know, oh yes, this is the way to do it. Um, 
you know, in my experience, there is no right or wrong way. There's just the way that you find through that provides you with peace. And and this worked for us. Um, And, you know, I I think it has worked for others who I've talked to, but um, it allowed us to tether ourselves as well as we linked those things together as each day passed. And so then we could look back and we could say, okay, if we made it through that day, then we can make it through this day. So um, it it just, it gave us the strength to go on. And it, and it also, I think for uh, my younger son, Brendan, um, who was 11 at the time, it also allowed us, I think, to normalize grief. Um, you know, uh, it allowed us to have conversations about tears. I, I described to him that when I would cry, which was a lot, I couldn't hide it from him because he would never see me. Um, huh. I didn't cry in front of him all the time, but I couldn't, I couldn't hide it 24-7. And so I said, you know, when you see mom cry, it's nothing to be afraid of. We're just letting steam off. I'm just letting steam off my grief kettle. And then it kind of became, he'd walk into the kitchen and I'd have tears in my eyes and he'd say, steam off your grief kettle. And I'd say, yep. (laughs) And and he'd go on with his day. We kind of, we normalize. So I I, I guess it just allowed us to be open with each other is is probably another thing that I'm very, very thankful for, um, for my family, that it allowed us to stick together. It's it's beautiful. Your book is so beautifully written. The just one little thing book that I'm focusing on today. It's it. You've taken your journal entries or your your writing from specific days and shared what you're thankful for. But it's each day is different. And 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 when you put that little line in there, and so I'm grateful for this. It's it touches you because it's different every time. It's not this Pollyanna gratitude. It's it's a it shows the readers a new way of looking at everything. Oh, I I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, and the one I, thing I, I noticed really... was you said at the beginning of the show here, well, I, you know, I didn't know anything. I wasn't that wise. And one note that I wrote is this book is jam packed with wisdom. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> oh. Well, um I, I, I often say that I sometimes I think I was just the, um, the scribe. I, I was just writing it for somebody else. <laughs> I, well, um, I want to talk uh, after the break that's coming up here shortly about your the, how you started each day with 10 minutes of, well, we'll talk about what those 10 minutes were filled with and how that changed your life. I also want to talk about, you had a reading uh, with me and how Stephen came through because we do love to show that Stephen and all our loved ones who pass are still here and how you continue to sense his presence, how he's been with you throughout the journey. So we're coming up to a break here, but I hope you'll come back and join us, everybody. We're talking with Kelly Buckley, who started the Just One Little Thing movement is what I'm calling it. And we're talking about how gratitude and resilience can help you in your grief journey. So come on back after the break.
Human Design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum Human Design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. We've been talking with Kelly Buckley, whose son Stephen passed, and... As a result of that, Kelly discovered a way to move through her grief. I love in your book, just one little thing, you say that the focus of your writing shifted day by day. You started out writing about death and grief, and how did it shift, Kelly? Um, Well, I think initially all I could see was the grief. Um, But again, as as I started to look for you know, the one little thing each day. And as I started to process uh, some of the, some of the pain, um, I was able to see um, some of the, the blessings and I, I guess the magic um, in life. There was things, I think because I was open to it and because I was open to see uh the love and the goodness that was still around me, uh, I feel that life presented me with all of this information that showed me that Stephen was still with me. So, yeah, and I, and I want to talk is, about that. So, before I get to that, just to say, you actually wrote, you started out writing about death and grief, and you ended up writing about life and living. I loved that phrase. And you do, you have so much good advice on living, including one section, the entry for June 27th. If you knew you had one week to live, you include an instruction manual for your life. (laughs) What, you know, what would you do if you only had one, if, if, if God let you know, okay, you have one week left, what are you going to do in that final week? It's brilliant. We we all need to think that way. So tell me about Stephen, share with everybody what Stephen was like. So Stephen was, um, he was one of those children who you really couldn't take credit for. He was just a really good boy. Um, he, he, he just had this personality that people, people gravitated towards him and he didn't like to be the center of attention. That wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't him at all. Um, he liked to kind of stand at the edge and see who needed him. So Stephen was the guy who was always bringing home someone who needed something, right? So yeah. there was always someone sleeping on our couch. Sure, <laughs> he he was just a he was a good friend. He was a good listener. He was he was a fantastic son. Um, I had Stephen when I was a teenager, and so we grew up together. Um, huh. and he. You know, I, I often said that he was 
you know, he, he was just so wise. And so he, he just taught me so much about life. Well, I know he's been teaching you from across the veil because <laughs> that the wisdom in your book is truly stunning. It's, it, yeah. I, as I read it, I kept thinking, everybody needs to read this. This, is, this whole book wow. is a manual for living. And talk oh. about feeling his presence throughout the year that you wrote the book. Um, well, uh, I would just feel him when I was writing and, and Rudy would sit on my feet in my office when I would write, um, because it was an emotional experience. So Rudy was like my therapy dog and would, uh, would sit with me when I was writing. And, um, I could just feel Steven there. I had a picture of him, um, on the wall right across from my desk and I would look up and I would kind of chat with him about, things I you know I I just felt him in my heart I would in that first year I remember dreaming about him I would have this dream that he he was a hockey goalie and so he would be on the ice and I would be um, watching him from on the other side of the glass and he would come over and try to talk to me but I couldn't I couldn't hear what he was trying to say to me and then I I would wake up and then I would get up the next morning and, you know, write for hours. And I, I would think, well, maybe that's what you were trying to say to me. Hmm. Maybe, you know, I, I just had so many moments where, you know, butterflies surrounding our life um, at the, at the memorial at NC State University, my husband was up speaking and, there was a white butterfly that circled him the entire time he was speaking. It's amazing. I um, never get tired of these stories. I it, never it, cease it, to be it, amazed. It, you you don't talk well, about too many paranormal uh, experiences in the book. That's not the focus of it. But what was it a challenge for you to seek out a medium? Did you go to several? All I know is that I remember giving you a reading. Um, I, I never really, um, at first I was a bit fearful because I suppose I was, I was afraid that, you know, there's always certain people who would take advantage of the pain of others. And so, you know, you would be fearful that you might, you might find the wrong person. And so I didn't know how to find the right person. And actually I was at a writing workshop with, uh, with Wayne Dyer. And um, I met a woman there uh, in the lunch line, of all things, and we just, right out of the blue, I said, well, why don't we um, sit together for lunch? And and she said, I'm so sorry, but there's somebody here who really needs to speak with you. Mm -hmm. And she started talking to me about Stephen. Oh, my gosh. It was really, I mean, she... She's a beautiful, beautiful person who who gave me so much comfort that day, but I was in a heap on the floor. <laughs> I guess. That's what a beautiful um, was, moment and a setup from Stephen, no doubt. It was yeah, it was um that was it was quite something. But I had I and after that I, I guess I was I was a little more open and I, I read some about you and, um, and I think because of your background and, and relating it to my kind of evidence-based background, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk to you. 
Um, and, and I was so glad that I did. Uh, well, I, really yeah, I know was. we talk, we don't need to get into it today, but I know that you said that he brought through some, some good evidence. So that's always what we look for, but let's get oh. back to your, what's that? He, he absolutely did. But the other thing when I remember when we chatted is that you described my mother to a T. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah, you really did. You described her her beautiful, beautiful soul to a T. It was it was just lovely, and it was. I had such a beautiful feeling in my heart um, after we spoke. So, I would I would recommend for anybody who's just looking for that peace to to seek that out, and because uh, it it no makes doubt. a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. But the beautiful thing about your book is you showed your your way of accessing wisdom that you didn't know you had. Would you tell us about how you began the, your day with those special 10 minutes? Um, I'm not sure what you're, which part oh, you're referring yeah. to. You haven't read your own book in a while. I remember this when I went back to my own book when I was reading it for an audible. You know, you said that... It for the first time in your life, you, you thought you knew yourself, but you would lie in bed for 10 minutes each day and you got to know yourself better. Yeah, I don't think I had really <clears throat> even contemplated who I really was prior to that. You know, I, I, I remember the first couple of months after Stephen died and I, he had this bag with him, had the constitution in it. He had at the lake that mm. day, he had a copy of the constitution, which I just thought wow. was the sweetest thing. <laughs> I thought that was, and that was Stephen. And, uh, I would, I would lie in bed and then I would sit on the edge of the bed and I would stare at that, that bag and kind of review my life and where I had been up to that point and where I wanted to go from there. Um, yeah, you wrote about feeling that until his passing, your life was on automatic. There were things you took for granted, and you really spent that time contemplating life. And so few I do that. Well, if if losing Stephen didn't make me take stock of things, what would? You know, I, I, I sat there and I was like, okay. And then there was just too many things happening as well. Um, We went to Canada. This is, uh, I'll make this quick, but we went to Canada and all of these connections, not only the butterflies, not only the little, the people we would connect with, we would find people who needed love. Mm. So we are crossing the border from Canada back into Maine. We're driving back home from Newfoundland from our summer. And uh, the border patrol agent came and was asking what was in the vehicle and stuff. And for some reason, I always get nervous when we're crossing the border, even though I'm straight arrow. <laughs> nothing to hide. <laughs> I, nothing to hide. But I always like have this deer in the headlights look. I'm, I don't know. It's crazy. So this woman is, is asking what we have in the car. And my husband's explaining. And she asks what I do for a living. And my husband said she's a writer. And I... Uh, she said, well, what do you write? And my husband said, well, she writes about grief. And the woman started to cry. And she said, well, I lost my son a couple of months ago. 
Oh my gosh. And so then my son in the back seat hands up one of my books. Oh my god. This is like a family affair at this point. And so then we give her the book and then by the time I get from Maine back to North Carolina, she's read the book and she's emailed me. And we were and, and we all just kind of look at each other and say, Well, we were meant to go to that border crossing. We were meant yeah. to we were meant to see her today. And so the most beautiful thing about life now is that I believe there are no coincidences. I go oh, I agree. It. I go with it. If something like that happens, I embrace it. I say, thank you, God and Stephen. And, and we keep going. We just, that's what we're here to do. Just to spread love, to spread Stephen's ripple, I call it. Oh. Beautiful. I love that your book is, it's not all love and life. You start, you know, just you, most books, they start off with the grief and then you, you know, now I'm going to have gratitude every day and you're going to see that I'm getting better and better and better. But there are these days you start off and you say, this was a really hard day. And so it is that, that spiral, you know, the wave that it is ever onward, but it's not constantly upward. And, and I like that some days you had, Many one little thing, just one little thing for the day. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so you hold on to those little things because there's other days. I mean, there's, and I know, you know, people who are listening who've lost loved ones and, and you know as well. There's days where you feel like you're kind of holding yourself together. And if you move the wrong way, you might just fall apart completely. And so, in, 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 in fact, I'm going to interrupt you here and I might embarrass you because this is you have this beautiful, flowing, wise, insightful writing. And then I'm going to read one paragraph from your book because it just hit me. You write, May is a freaking long month. I'm not sure I will make it. So I'm just going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to keep writing about resilience and courage and all that other crap until I start to believe it again. Oh, that is so authentic, so honest. And then there are the pages where you have no doubt it's making a dif- difference. Tell us how you, the difference between being in a state of gratitude and feeling, Stephen, and when you would drop into the negativity. So, and and this is actually interesting. I um, When I am in a, a, a state of gratitude, when I go out in the morning, um, and I'm looking up and I'm listening to the birds and I'm watching the sun come up over the trees and I'm giving thanks. I feel Stephen all around me and it's just such a beautiful feeling. When I am focused on the negative, like if I, you know, if you're spending too much time watching news or if you get caught up in, you know, some drama, some some friends are more dramatic than others and they like to you know, kind of talk or, or whatever. If I get, if I get sucked into that kind of stuff, I don't feel Steven around me. So for me, that's a no brainer. You know, I, yeah. I have to stay in a, in a space where I can feel him because he's my boy. Yeah. I want to, I want to feel him around me. 
I want to feel that. And I want to feel good. I want to feel good myself because that's how I can help others. So it, it is about making conscious choices about what you let into your life. I've, I've certainly become, and not in a negative or, or mean way, but, you know, I wish people well. You can, everybody can live their own, own way. But for me, I choose to live kind of a quiet, introspective life because um, that means I get, I get to have him around me and feel him. And it's just, just wonderful. And, um, and and this and so is I, this is what I teach people who want to connect with their own loved ones that you have to you have to raise your vibe and gratitude is yeah. the fastest way to get there. But let's I want to make sure we make the point, Kelly, though that it's not about pushing down your feelings and acting happy. Would you address that? Well, you know. Finding gratitude every day is not going to change the pain of your loss. Um, I was finding gratitude every day, and I still went to grief counseling for a year um, because I, all those emotions were still there. All that pain was still there. We still had to process all that stuff as a family. There was still a lot of messiness. So I write about some of the messiness in the book. Um, but you know, it was still there. So it, it helps, you know, it, it can't change the pain of your loss, but what I will say is it did alleviate some of the suffering. Mm. So, so for me, that's what gratitude will do. But anybody, I, I, I would say that that would be a falsehood to say that, you know, gratitude is going to make you feel better about everything. That's just not true. Um, it's just not. Because you have to feel the pain. You have to feel it because the pain is connected to the love. And um, you, you actually wrote in the book, you're thankful for the hurt. Yeah. Why? Um. Because, uh, <laughs> because it um, showed me how lucky I was, and uh, and it um, made me look at my own life a lot differently. It gave me an opportunity to use this chapter of my life a lot differently. Um, I wouldn't wish what happened to our family on anybody. Right. Um, but I am really proud of what we did with our pain. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Um, you, you, you wrote, you put, the, you put these words in your book that you were actually talking about sitting in your therapist's waiting room and hearing a woman go on and on and shouting for an hour about all the negative things in her life. And the word you yeah. used was you reframed your pain, reframed it. Yeah. It's all about the point of view. It is. Um, you know, there's everything. I, I, I would suspect July 2nd, 2009, what I would call painful 
versus what I call what painful July 5th, 2009 would be two very different things. And so now I think with some space between that, uh, that fresh grief, now that I would probably be able to look at that woman with a little more understanding. Um, Hmm. But I remember that moment. I remember listening to her and just, just thinking, wow, honestly, you know, that's, that's what you're going to use this hour for. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it takes, sometimes it takes moments like these to really ground you to what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And appreciating every moment, looking for those things. So give our listeners the basics of the jolt method. Just one little thing. And if there are actual steps they can take to begin to change their lives using the principles. So just one little thing. Um, For changing your own life, I usually, in the morning and the evening, I usually try, and I try to write it down because there's something about, and I I actually use a pen and paper, and I know that's probably going <laughs> the way oh. I, I find writing things makes it, it makes it very real for me. And uh, I, I like to write in a, in a notebook what I'm thankful for. Um, but what that does is you start looking for those one little thing. So give yourself, you know, give yourself a month and you will find you wake in the morning looking for one little thing, you lay your head on the pillow and you start reflecting on your day, thinking about one little thing. And you're not thinking about what went wrong or you're not thinking about the pain. You will think about things that hurt. That's, you know, as I said, it's not going to take that away, but you will also notice that there, there still is goodness around you. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that would be the thing for the for the individual. But one of the things that I, as the years went by, I see for just one little thing is doing just one little thing for another person. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, mm. there's so much pain right now in this world. There's so many people who are suffering. And the best way for you to gain perspective on your own pain is to help someone else through theirs. So, you know, I, I actually would like to see jolt, uh, you know, as more of an action and, you know, jolt someone's life. So find your daily jolt, but also jolt someone's life because uh, there's no better way for you to find joy in your own life and find healing in your own life by helping someone through their dark days. That is perfect because you go from it's one thing to be introspective and reflective on what you're grateful for, but then I love that you've turned it into a verb jolt someone beautiful. Yeah, I'm gonna start (laughs) with intention (laughs) that it be that one thing. We try to do it all the time, but to do that one specific thing and to write it down and to have you know 30 of those and then 365 of those and to be able to see the effect that we all can have on each other. All right, everybody, you got a challenge. Are you up to it? (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So in the book, you wrote about how you used to love to sing. And then you, you said in there, I didn't know if I'd ever sing again. And you left us hanging. So with just a few (laughs) minutes left, I want to know, have you sung again? 
um, I didn't sing for a number of years. Um, I didn't pick up my guitar. I didn't sing. And my um, youngest son had um, hip surgery um, because he's a hockey goalie as well. And hockey goalies have trouble with their hips. And he was teaching himself how to play guitar during his recovery. And he asked me to play with him. And when your son asks you to play, you play. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so I I played with him and I, I sang with him and, and it was, it was lovely. Um, I still, I still struggle with it sometimes because I used to sing to Stephen and to Brendan as babies. I used to sit with my guitar and sing to them. And so it's still um, a bit of a a struggle, but um, you can't let the music, um, can't let the music die. You have to keep, you have to keep it in your life because I'm still here. Yeah. So, Joel, do you make it clear just one little thing is not just a process for those who are processing grief. It's for anybody when they're in the midst of what you call turning points in life. So we have just two minutes to go. If you could choose just one thing you'd like everybody to know when they're in the midst of one of those turning points, what would it be? It's that I think it's that you, um, you are stronger than you think and that you don't have to find, uh, a solution all at once. You don't, you don't, this is not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy, but one little thing at a time, you can find your way back to the lights. And you're not alone. I think if there's one thing I can say, you are not alone. And my website, contact me. You're not alone ever. And that's kellybuckley.com. And the Facebook page, how do they find that? Uh, Just facebook.com forward slash just one little thing. Easy enough. Yeah. Yeah. And join this huge community of people that even though they're hurting like all of us do, because that is life, there is still joy to be found. And your beautiful book, Just One Little Thing, has shown us that in the Facebook page just keeps those ripples going so kelly thank you so much for sharing with us today and every day oh thank you so much for for chatting with me about this it's been such a pleasure it's been our pleasure everybody go out and have a great week okay i love you all we'll see you back here next week Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die.
I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 